Hello, everyone. And today, uh, if you could turn with me to uh, Psalm 61, that will be the first psalm that we will look at um, in, in this mini-series. And um, we'll see that, indeed, we'll learn about growing intimate with God uh, through this psalm. But I want you to notice that this particular psalm uh, begins with uh, a peculiar situation. It doesn't go to you know, being intimate with God, but it starts with the place of difficulty, place of uh, pain even. I think maybe if I were to share a context uh, from which I picked this psalm, uh, I encountered the tragic news of the, the shooting, mass shooting in the Chicago area and uh, the particularly Highland Park. And later I learned that some of my friends were actually there uh, in the parade. And uh, thankfully, you know, they were okay, but we know that many others were not. Uh, many people died and got injured. I think what's probably sadder than that one incident is that it's one of many. I think we're surrounded and just swamped with so many tragic stories and news um, these days of, you know, violence and, you know, shooting all around. And uh, it's just overwhelming uh, to the point that uh, one friend that I talked to about the shooting said that nothing is safe at this point. So today, through this psalm, I want us to learn how to process how we can respond to uh, the violence and injustices around us. And I think one um, or few emotions that we don't, don't want to ignore are anger and also desire for action and change. I think those are fair reactions to injustices, and we will uh, at one point look at um, how to process these things as a church. But for today, uh, through this psalm, I want us to uh, process how we can uh, feel um, some of the feelings of exhaustion and helplessness and even fear, you know, uh, in light of uh, the turmoil and threats all around us. How do, we, how do we do that when the world seems to be sinking and going crazy? How as believers uh, stay afloat or even thrive during this time. So that's, that will be the goal for today's passage. And I really hope that God will speak to you and that you um, grow and uh, stand strong during this time. So read with me. Uh, I'll read for us, but please look with me to uh, Psalm 61 and uh, we'll go from there. It says, to the choir master with string instruments of David, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you. When my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings, Selah. 
For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Would you bow your heads with me? And I'll pray for us and let's jump right into the time of the message. Heavenly Father, we um, come before you um, really longing to be uh, instructed and also comforted by you. And uh, many of us, even not all of us, are coming to you, Lord, are coming together as your, as your church, somewhat broken, somewhat uh, confused, uh, somewhat um, unaware of what to do uh, because of all that's going on around us and uh, even in, in personal situations too, as well as um, you know, what's happening publicly. So Lord, uh, may you speak uh, your words uh, to us, God, uh, through this time. May we leave this place uh, more filled, uh, more uh, aware of who you are and what you're doing in our life and who we are in you, God. May your spirit work powerfully in our hearts so that these words of mine um, you know, may not just remain as human words, but that you would use them uh, to uh, pierce our hearts in ways that only you can do. Thank you, Lord, for gathering us here on, around your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have three points, uh, as usual, just to help us uh, follow along. Uh, those are uh, the Father who has rescued me before. Second, the Father who holds me close. And third, the Father who deserves my worship. And the title of this message is The Secure Embrace of the Father. First point, the Father who has rescued me before. Verses 1 and 2, it says, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. The author of this psalm, David, is in a very desperate situation. We, we get that. We, we see that from the few words and phrases here in this few verses. First, the word cry there can be translated wailing. It's not just a tear or two. Second, the phrase, from the end of the earth, uh, is a metaphor for being in despair. You can kind of imagine, perhaps, the image of you being on the edge of a cliff. Very desperate. But finally, David actually spells out how he feels uh, when he says, when my heart is faint. The Hebrew word for faint uh, means to be worn out uh, to the point of exhaustion, you know, hopelessness, and even depression. Just that you know, image and sometimes reality of feeling, oh, my goodness, I don't know what to do anymore. And notice here, uh, David doesn't tell us what exactly is causing you know, these emotions. 
And what that means is he wants us to, he's inviting us into this reality. He's you know, welcoming us to apply this into our specific situations. So for some of us, uh, like I said earlier, uh, this is how we may feel about the recent you know, shootings and violence uh, on the news. You may feel like, man, you know, I'm just tired of hearing this you know, news and you know, people's and even children's lives being taken away. And it's happening over and over and over without any change. You may also feel, man, I honestly feel afraid of losing you know, my or my loved one's lives in this way. Or for some of us, you know, we may feel disheartened by you know, all the political turmoil in our nation right now, besides um, the, the problem of mass shooting. For others of us, uh, these emotions can describe how you feel um, you know, in your personal struggles with people, you know, relational struggles, perhaps with your friends and family. You just feel helpless. And lastly, for some of us, you know, this can describe situation at your school or career and work, uh, feeling, again, exhausted and helpless, even depressed. And here, uh, what David says about this circumstance, here's what he says in this circumstance. He says, verse 2, lead me to the rock, that is higher than I. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The imagery here is a rocky mound, just imagine with me, that is raised high above uh, any turbulence beneath, like storming waters or tempest. So you see, David is seeking a uh, protection and security above his problems, whatever they may be. And we know from the scriptures that the rock signifies God himself. We know that from Psalm 62, one and two, that says, For God alone uh, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And by calling this rock higher than I, You know, David is acknowledging in faith that God only can keep him safe, you know, better than himself or any other human means because he is God. He is sure protection. But before we go any further, I love, I want to point out this one word uh, even that, that I love that David used, which is lead. You know, he's asking God to lead him to himself, as opposed to saying, I will go to the rock for the protection. Meaning that, you know, if you have gone through any times of struggles and, you know, despair, you know God is oftentimes the last place you want to go to, right? Because you lack the strength and even desire to move yourself to God. And Being a real person, David says, he's crying, God, you carry me. You draw me close to yourself because I can't. So he's asking God, lead me to the rock, to yourself for my protection. I'm in desperate 
situation. I'm exhausted. And it's interesting what David says next after this. Verse 3, he says, For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. David is recalling, he's looking back to the past acts of God. He's remembering the times when God delivered him from tough situations that he protected him from all the stormy waters in his life. And through that, the reason why he's recalling the past is because through that, he's encouraging and he's even motivating himself to trust God as the true rock of salvation above anything else. He's saying to himself, David, seek God. You know this, David. You know how God delivered you, how God was the sole comforter when any, everybody else, even your friends and family, rejected you. He was your comfort. Rely on him. He will protect you. And through this remembrance of the past, uh, you know, David is bolstering his faith in God when perhaps every instinct during this time will be telling him no to God. Again, uh, me and my family were out uh, past two weeks. You know, we're mostly in uh, Maryland because my wife grew up there and her parents are still there. And uh, uh, Maryland is known for blue crabs. And uh, so after a beach day that uh, we had uh, during the trip, we went to one of the blue crab restaurants in town, or, or near the beach, rather. And the, the twist of the story is that I'm allergic to uh, shrimps, and I had, I had known that, that I was slightly allergic to you know, crabs as well. Uh, so basically, I'm allergic to you know, shellfish, right? So, you know, because I'm just slightly allergic to sh- crabs, I was like, I'll be fine. So I ate a lot of crabs. And lo and behold, um, that night, I s- literally spent the whole night, I think I fell asleep around like five, five in the morning, I spent the whole time scratching myself because my whole body broke out. <laughs> um, here's a picture. I'm just kidding. No. It was, it was terrible. It was, it was agonizing. And... So I went to Deb's parents, um, you know, to, to ask for you know, medicine. And they had this one brand of allergy medicine. So I took it. They said, it's going to work. It did not work. Um, so again, I was just scratching myself that night. And the whole time, all I was thinking about was this other brand of allergy medicine. I'm not going to mention its name. It's not, you know, I don't want to do any product placement here. So... Just ask me later, but there's one brand that worked or has worked every time. So I'm like, man, you know, how come they they didn't have this? If I take it, I'll be okay, like, instantly. Um, I mean, I could have gone outside and get it, uh, but then I didn't want to overdose, so I just kept scratching. I'm like, oh, next day, next day. So next day, I I went to the local store and got the medicine and I waited until the evening and I took it again and voila, gone. 
the, the whole symptoms subsided. And I'm sharing this because I'm, I'm not saying, you know, uh, the, the, the solution is drugs. That's not my uh, point here. But my point is, you know, we do tend to look to the past and see if, you know, something has worked in the past. And if we experienced its benefits and, you know, solutions, and we apply that to our current situation, and we'll choose something based on that. And that's similar when it comes to God, too, for our spiritual and emotional matters, too. You know, we will look to, you know, if you experienced God in the past, it's not just, you know, words on a page, but God is someone that you experienced whose deliverance and comfort and healing. You know, if you experienced that God could, you know, save and deliver you in, in ways that are defined to logic and, you know, um, that it's miraculous, then in the current situation, you will choose God because you've experienced how sweet his love is and it can go beyond any other human means. So I believe here, David, as he's encouraging us to go to the rock, who is God, he's also encouraging us to look at our past in order to encourage ourselves to trust in God as our true protection and deliverance. I think for me, this is really real. I mean, even when I was preparing for this sermon, I felt comforted because I thought about my own life too. In my life and ministry, there are a lot of challenges, you know, all the time. And, you know, whenever I think back to the past where God delivered me in ways that were just extraordinary, you know, instantly, like literally instantly, my, you know, anxiety goes away. Uh, I mean, you know, at least for that time. I mean, it's going to come back, obviously, but because I think of how, man, you know, God, put, you know, brought me through all the problems and I, I grew and I thrived and survived through those times. And why am I so worried about this current trial? God will keep me and keep me safe and he'll help me grow and overcome. Why am I so worried? I think for some of you, uh, this can look like how, you know, God came to your rescue uh, when you had, you know, or you and your family may have had some needs spiritually, physically even, and emotionally. And I think for, uh, for others of you, maybe this mean that, means that, you know, you think of your own testimony, how you became a believer, um, you know, how you were so far away from God, but somehow God brought you back and you are walking with him because of that. If you look closely at the past, if you look at these precious milestones and, you know, um, memories, they will help us to trust God because we have experienced, you know, his benefits and his presence in our lives. So take heart when you're in those situations that he is the rock because you've experienced it in the past. The father um, who <laughs> rescued me before. That's the first point. Second point, the father who holds me close. So now David uh, shows us progression in his thinking. 
just now he, you know, showed us that he's looking for some immediate physical relief and deliverance, but he's going to go further. Now he goes beyond that to more ultimate deliverance and security. So look with me. Verse 4, he says, Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. The word tent, God's tent, uh, is otherwise known as a tent of meeting in Old Testament. And it's a familiar term and image in the Israel's minds. Uh, so if you look at Exodus 33, uh, verses 7 through 11, it says this. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So the tent is a place where you know, God of heaven would come down, condescend himself, and dwell and reside among his people. And he, he made himself available to his people for them to approach him and have intimate you know, relationship with them. That's what tent means. So, so David here, by saying, let me dwell in your tent forever, he's seeking this kind of unhindered communion with God. Um, and there, I want you to notice the word forever. Uh, this connotes a future reality, right? So he's thinking about the future of his communion with God. I want you to remember this. We're going to come back to it, but remember that it's about the future reality. And with that, we keep going. And uh, in the same verse, he also asks for uh, taking refuge under the shelter of your wings. And I think it's a similar concept as the rock and the tower that we just looked at earlier in the, in the, in the psalm. It's about God's protection. But if, the, if, you, if you think of the image of wings, it's more intimate, isn't it? It's not just a rock that's strong for protection, but it's, it is still protection, but there's more intimacy. And David is seeking that kind of intimate protection, not just the strength. Keep going. Verse 5. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Let me explain what the vows mean. Um, there's a, there was a custom in Israel, in ancient Israel, uh, of making vows when people would, you know, pray to God for deliverance, you know, saying things like, you know, God, if you would deliver me from this current problem, you know, I will give you this special offering in response when you have answered the prayers, and I'll do that because I'm so thankful. So that was the vow. So when David says God has heard his vows, it means that God has answered his prayer for deliverance. And then the next line, when he says that in response to the prayer that God has given him, the heritage of those fear your name, 
The word heritage in the Old Testament means that God's promised land to live in and also all the blessings of you know, God's kingdom and covenant. That's what it means by heritage. So, so far, I know these are some disjunctive ideas um, that, that are laid out here, but please follow with me. It'll all make sense. So we go on in verse 6. And 6 and 7, it says, Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. Here, David is praying that God would secure the reign and the dynasty of, you know, king of Israel and his descendants, uh, meaning David himself, King David, and his descendants. Here, David is really asking for the nation as well, because when the kingship is established, when the leadership is established by God, there will be prosperity of the nation as well. There, There will be protection and security of the nation. And that's what David is asking for here. So now, finally, let's put all this together. Here, what David is asking for is this. He's envisioning, again, a future reality where God will forever secure the kingdom by establishing uh, his kingship, the kingship of the descendant of David, and under the perfect rule of divine king, you know, God's people will have all the blessings of the kingdom, the heritage, especially the blessing of you know, God's unhindered, intimate protection. That's the summary of what we've been reading so far. So what that means is, for David, the ultimate protection from his uh, problem, the ultimate deliverance, for him, is not necessarily the immediate solution, immediate deliverance. He's looking at the future reality when God will hold him close, that he will have perfect peace in his life. In other words, he's looking for the eternal salvation of his soul that goes beyond the immediate solution. Even if he dies, he knows he's okay because there is, there is secure promise coming to him. And guess what? I want you to get this. We, people who are, who came all the way after David, we have what David didn't have. Hundreds of years after David spoke this psalm, one of his descendants comes into the scene. His name is Jesus, the true son of David. And he indeed inaugurated God's kingdom on earth through his ministry. And he defeated the enemy, the ultimate enemy of his kingdom, namely sin and Satan on the cross by dying for the sins of the world. And then he came back to life in the resurrection. And we looked at, when we studied um, the book of Ephesians, that he's now, he's ascended to heaven, sitting on his throne as a king of the universe. His kingship is solidly established. 
And the Bible promises that there will be a time when he will come back to consummate the kingdom that he started. It's a matter of time that this kingdom will be visible. For now it's invisible through the church, but it will be visible. There will be perfect peace in the universe. So what that means is, unlike David who looked forward to this reality, but for us who have already have, who already have this promise realized through Jesus Christ, when we see Jesus and his victory over sin and death, when we see you know, his kingdom being established, we now know for sure that we have this concrete and living hope in Christ, that it is a reality that we are being held by God in his wings. And there will be a day when we'll experience that being held by God 100% in heaven. Meaning that, you know, even right now, the Bible says if you're in Christ, you are justified, meaning you are able to approach God's throne in, in times of need and be held by God because there's no sin that separates you and God anymore through Jesus Christ. But of course, in this life, in this side of heaven, we don't get that full experience because of our own remaining sins and also the world is broken. But on that day, when Jesus makes everything perfect, we will experience and feel and embrace the re true reality of God holding us, loving us, protecting us from all harm, and we will be forever joyful and at ease. I'll share a picture. Um, it's a picture of uh, our son, Seth, when I think he was like two days old. Um, so I, you know, held him in his, in, in my arms and, uh, I took a picture of him. Um, and Dave and I really love this picture and just this scene of him just sleeping in our arms because he just looks like he has no care in the world, right? He's, he's, he's feeling so safe and, you know, I, I always loved it. Uh, just kind of, you know, my heart going out to him and I always loved, loved this time, uh, you know, unlike now when he just runs away <laughs> and uh, uh, very active now. It's, just, it's a ble blessing too, but I think I loved, you know, these times when, you know, we were able to just hold him, uh, keep him safe. And I think this image, um, I think also spoke to me at the time about how God also, as my Heavenly Father, is holding me like that. And I always took comfort in that. And during that time, I think shortly afterwards, I was going through some hard times and, uh, you know, I'll, during that time, I was just having a lot of stress and, you know, different trials. And I think one thing that I kept noticing is that I was falling asleep, um, you know, during my prayer, you know, individual QT times. And at first, I felt really guilty. I was like, man, you know, like, I should be praying. What am I doing? I keep falling asleep. Uh, but then I realized that I was falling asleep uh, not necessarily because I was, you know, slacking off per se, uh, but I was falling asleep because I felt so secure. 
I think I was reading through the Psalms at the time and just feeling convicted of God's love for me and that the, he is holding me close to himself. And, and that made me feel so safe to the point that I was falling asleep in, in response to you know, reading a scripture. And those are some sweet moments. I just you know, had no care in the world during those 30 minutes or so because I was convicted of his holding me as my father. Again, you see, that's the reality for those who are in Christ. Because Jesus secured a kingdom, and as, you're, as a kingdom citizen, you are being held right now. So even now, you can experience those moments of perfect security. And as we, you know, experience that, but, you know, falter because of the, the sins in the world and in, in our own hearts right now, but we look forward to that day when we will experience that holding of God perfectly. And that's what gets us through the current turmoil in our lives and in the world. It's the faith that we are being held by the perfect Heavenly Father. And the last point, it'll be a quick point, uh, the Father who deserves my worship. In verse 8, it says, So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows uh, day after day. Again, the word vow, but I think it will make sense. Performing vows means to fulfill the vows that you made when you're making the vows, when you're praying for deliverance. It means to you know, give God the offering that you promised because uh, you are thankful for the deliverance that he um, you know, gave to you. But I want you to notice there the phrase day after day. Uh, in ancient Israel, a vow would be performed only once in public worship. So the question is, why would you perform your vows over and over, day after day? It's because, especially for those of us who are in Christ, you realize that God has answered your prayer in, in an ultimate way, that your security is secure in Christ. So once it's not enough, but you perform the vows, meaning you give thanks to God for the rest of your life. And in fact, the worship of God in thanksgiving will go into the eternity when we get to heaven. And we'll worship God all eternity long because he has brought salvation to us when we didn't deserve it. Only he is to be worshipped all eternity long. Only he, he, to him, all the glory and credit for our protection and security in Christ. Let me end with uh, sharing this song with you. Uh, this song is called Safe uh, by Phil Wickham. I think uh, I, was, I loved this song um, growing up, I think uh, maybe around my high school days or college days. But here are uh, the words of the song. Uh, I'm going to share the chorus and the, the bridge of the song. It goes like this. Uh, you'll be safe in his arms. You'll be safe in his arms. It's the hands that hold the world are holding your heart. This is the promise he has made. 
He will be with you always. When everything is falling apart, you will be safe in his arms. In the bridge, these are the hands that build the mountains, the hands that calm the sea. These are the arms that hold heavens. They are holding you and me. These are the hands that heal the leper, pull the the lame up to their feet. These are the arms that were nailed to the cross to break our chains and set us free. You will be safe in his arms. And that really summarizes this psalm that we just studied. Again, in our lives, look around, right? You know, just even when I open my news app, all I see is problems. And when I open the app of my life, so to speak, it's all problems. How do we get through this? The answer David gives us in the psalm is that you believe that you have the promise of Jesus as your king, that under his rule you are secure. You have the blessing of being held by God. And even when the immediate solution and deliverance don't come, you will be safe for all eternity. And on that rock that is higher than I, we take our stand in this world. Let's pray together. Spend some time together uh, before we uh, sing the song. Uh, just praying through the song and uh, close our service. Um, perhaps just think of you know one thing that uh, has been giving you um, some anxiety. Uh, one thing that has been making you feel unsettled, even making you shaken. And going from there, just serving your own hearts about those problems, I want to invite you to you know, come to the truth of this song that there's a rock that is higher than us, above the storms. But this rock is not an impersonal mound, but it's in fact the wings of the Father that are holding you, not letting you go. Even when people leave and problems get worse, deep inside of our hearts, there's this reality that we are to cling on to, that God is holding us. Faith is what will get us through. Faith that God is holding me. He'll never let me go. I have security in Christ. Can we pray together?
while just processing this truth in light of different problems that we have in our lives. Let's come to God together and asking God uh, to sink this truth deep into our hearts so that will become uh, the rock that we cling on to. Let's pray to Him. The other day, uh, I was just talking with my wife and um, thinking about how um, the world has gotten uh, crazier. <laughs> that's that's the, the word that we used. Uh, crazier than, you know, when we were in school and um, we didn't expect this to happen. And, um, and I think that's the reality that... Um, we see in the world and, um, and the word crazy might mean different things for each one of us but um, what I've been noticing is that uh, you know, things are more extreme in many ways um, right now and it might probably get worse in many ways and and I think as, as I process in this way, uh, I think that, you know, apostles and, you know, Jesus himself would say, uh, don't be surprised. <laughs> the world has always been like that. Um, it's been getting worse and worse. And, um, and in light of that, if you look to the scripture, uh, what the Bible teaches is that we must have this alternate reality. If you read through Paul's letters and especially Revelation, it it gives us a stark picture of what's happening for believers uh, that is contrary to what we see on the news. It's training us to have this holy imagination of the true reality for believers. I think that's very crucial in our in this day and age. Otherwise, we will get sucked into what's happening in the world. We must train ourselves to know and believe, grow in our faith in the true identity in Christ, the true hope, true status that we have in Christ. And that's the only way you will get through and be victorious in this day and age. So let's pray together as we close. Let's ask God to open our eyes to the true reality that He has for us so that the anxiety and the things that are in our lives in the world will not draw us away from God and drive us to turmoil of our hearts but they will stand strong in this rock of Christ let's pray and I'll close for us Heavenly Father um, thank you for your truth uh, that that you speak to us God I pray for uh, those of us who maybe going through some tough time uh, for you know, whatever reason. May you 
Send your Holy Spirit to work in their hearts um, that they would even tangibly feel your presence during this time. That they will know that they are being held by you. But Lord, may you strengthen our hearts when our hearts you know, falter and um, become weak as we put our gaze on the world and human logic or may you pull pull our gaze to you and see that Jesus is victorious in heaven that we share that victory with him so help us to confidently and courageously face tomorrow because Jesus is alive and may you help us to be your hands and feet in this difficult world so that they may see that there's hope and they may also be drawn to you. Thank you, Lord.